Welcome to Night of the Living Geeks. If you geek out over it, we've got a podcast. Hello everyone and welcome to another episode of If Memory Serves here on the Night of the Living Geeks Network. I'm Taylor and with me as he is every month as we... I know, ramble, reminisce, reconcile ourselves with our pasts growing up in the 80s and 90s in the Bay Area. He is the Tomax to my Zaymot. It's my brother, Seb. Seb, how's it going, man? Ladies and gentlemen, how you doing? I'm doing great. How are you doing, Taylor? I'm I'm well. I'm well. We've had a, a busy month. I've had lots of car headaches, and then we took a vacation down to the beach. That's Well, hey, that's awesome. It was yeah. a good time at the beach? Oh, it was a great oh, cool. time. Absolutely. In fact, I'll, I'll, I'll just I'll mention it now. It, one, felt so good to get, like, just immerse myself in the ocean. That just, especially after last month's episode, mm-hmm. it felt really, really good to do that. Um, and it was great to kind of share the beach with the kids and uh, escape the almost 100-degree heat here in Livermore. Um, but what I was most amazed by is the... Um, we noticed in a couple of spots, you know, a couple jellyfish had washed up on shore. Mm-hmm. Um, a couple of them were still very clearly alive. In fact, I sent you a picture of one. I said, Hey, do you want a pet? Right. Um, yeah. Uh, it turns out that, um, the ones that washed up, they're clear with kind of purplish insides. They don't sting. Oh, okay. Um, because some kids came over and wanted to borrow like one of our sandcastle buckets so they could pour water on these jellyfish while they got little leaves of seaweed to get under so they could carry them back to the ocean. And <laughs> in turn, instead of making a bunch of sandcastles, Parent and Echo decided instead to help save uh, <laughs> these jellyfish. And they, they've both now touched jellyfish. Um, and it it was just fun. It was fun to watch them kind of, um, think of a purpose higher than just themselves, you know? Were they freaked out by touching the, uh, slimy body of a jellyfish? Um, at first, but they saw these other kids doing it and they were okay. And so they were like, well, if these kids didn't get hurt, we will, we'll be okay. Um, and Echo especially, she, she's very interested in, um like veterinary medicine and stuff. Oh yeah. Of course. Uh, I so she took a particular point of pride in being like, you know, all day it was like, we saved seven jellyfish today. That was so cool. Um, As they washed back up on the surf, you know, <laughs> uh, th- there, there were some that by the time you got to them, you, you could tell you know, that this one's, this well, one's been a little toasted and well, well, it's the thought that counts. You it know? is the thought that counts in many yeah. ways. Um, right. Although strangely enough, there was a, a sand dollar with a, a little crab attached to it that we came across multiple times over the four days that we were there. He just couldn't catch a break. He kept washing back up. We kept trying to send him back out. Um, but it was, it was a lot of fun. Um, That's awesome. Just being able to hear the ocean and, and oh yeah, it was, it was very, very rejuvenating. Um, you've been up to much this month? Just working and trying to stay out of the smoggy 
like grass fire air quality yeah. kind of situation that we have going on up here in Sacramento County. I hear you, and you're probably getting it uh, from that fire up <clears> in <throat> Redding a lot worse than we're getting it down here. Yeah, you you look out the window and it kind of looks like the apocalypse, you know, with it, like a blood totally, red like sun, you know. Totally. So uh, just kind of staying at home a little bit, no, rewatching I... a lot of old cartoons from our childhood. Yeah, no kidding. There's, <clears throat> I've got like a list. Like I still want to get to some of that misfits of science that I found on YouTube. Yeah. Find me the time first. Um, well, previously on previously on previously on. If memory serves, you know we were talking obviously about the beach and everything and at the beginning of july uh in fact i think the day after we recorded last um we took amber and i took parent on a trip down to santa cruz and stuff to kind of have the tour day mommy and daddy and um you know we, we got to hit a bunch of different spots that we love down there um i learned that rainbow city limits uh in capitola uh actually has not always been in the same location they've been around uh as long as i've been around (laughs) yes Um, they when when you and i would go there they were actually across the street from their current location in the capitola mercantile which is like this little like Hmm. mini mini mall do you remember that place at all oh uh, me uh so many of my memories of Santa Cruz and the beach from our childhood kind of glommed together. Um, I, I do remember some strip malls very close to a shoreline with some elevated parking spots, like on a little bluff. Um, okay. What, I'm not sure if that's Capitola that I'm remembering or it, if it was another one of the suburbs of, of Santa Cruz. I'm not sure. But it was interesting. <laughs> I, I made a point of... Uh you know, asking if they'd always been in that location. They actually had a picture uh, from like the mid seventies when they were actually in downtown Santa Cruz proper on Pacific Avenue. Oh, wow. Um, Yeah. I knew that they had been around for a long time. I didn't realize they'd been around as long as I have. Mm -hmm. Um, So that was fun. I also uh, finally had a chance to, you know, we were talking about surf magazines last month and um, I got a chance to pick up the, well, I guess it's now second most recent issue of Surfer Magazine. Apparently, surf- surfing folded about a year and a half ago. Mm. Um, yeah, it's just not what it used to be. I was really, really, really unimpressed. And I'm huh. judging that on one issue. I realize I may have just caught a weak month. I don't know. But for 10 bucks, uh-huh. like, I used to pay 10 bucks for a magazine from another country. Mm. So here's here's an American-made magazine in America for ten bucks, um, and by the time that's I got... interesting. What's interesting? Um, I wonder if it's like, well, I mean, I wonder if it's just like the dying of print industry in general, or if it's just that one particular title, or I I don't know. I mean, I yeah. I, I definitely don't pick up magazines the way that I used to. Mm-hmm. Um, I used to pick up a bunch of different magazines back in the day. Um, but you know, just this one and the cost to enjoyment ratio uh, mm-hmm. was really low. Right. Uh, I was right. just like, I don't even have a desire to like, hang on to this. <clears throat> it's like, you know, memento level stuff. It's just like, no, I read through yeah. it a couple times and I'm like, okay, I'm done with it. This was yeah. not worth ten bucks. Uh, I'm sorry, man. No, it's it's okay. You know, take that ten bucks and go grab some old ones off eBay or something. 
right right oh yeah definitely. far cooler um and you know i do have um hmm. uh, if i could just jump in really quick Please. um one one thing i want to just mention about our last episode which is about our memories of surfing in the 80s and 90s um a couple weeks ago i kidnapped mom and drove her to santa cruz oh yes that's right i remember you were you were texting me a few times yeah and we were driving around where the old boardwalk is and mm-hmm. um I said, Mom, you know, we should go drive by the old surfing museum and the old lighthouse. Yes. And I was like, Mom, which, you know, should I get on this street to get there? What do you think is the best street? And Mom was giving me all these directions to go south from the boardwalk. Uh, and even I knew it was north of the boardwalk. Yeah. And I was like, I was like, Mom, are you having a stroke? Do I need to call 911? She didn't remember anything. Oh, wow. And, I mean, it all eventually came rushing back. You know what I mean? But it yeah. was very much like... Um, I mean, historically, you know, as a child growing up, you know, our parents are the ones that that know everything. They're the ones that remember where things are and mm-hmm. how to get places. Yeah. And now it's like those roles are kind of getting reversed, and I'm getting a little teary eyed about it. I yeah, guess I, I don't know. It. No, no, I get um, it. That that makes total sense. It was a fun time, though. It was a fun day. Yeah. Good, good. Yeah, I, when we when we went over to Santa Cruz, it was. It, it had been a long time since I'd been over there, but it was quick how fast. It's like, oh, yeah, that's right. I've got to get on this road and this road and this road, and this is a good shortcut to get to that road and blah, blah, blah. Yeah. Yeah. Right. It, it took a few minutes, but it did. Now, remind me, Seb, because I think in our last episode when I did my little, um, what, unwrapping uh, of the cassette that the, I had bought. The reggae cassette, mm-hmm. yeah. Mm-hmm. Oh. Now, I think you had made mention of like, oh, well, please tell me it's the soundtrack to Moonlighting, right? Right. Yeah. I mean, I, I think I probably mentioned the fact in numerous episodes of our podcast that my all-time favorite cassette tape of music as a child growing up was the soundtrack to the television series Moonlighting. Uh, uh, of which I haven't Willis. seen an episode in forever, but... Oh, what a great show, though. I mean, oh, completely. If, if ever a show needs to be in syndication on like... I don't know the Lifetime Channel or the Hallmark Channel. I mean, what's going on? Come on, people! Oh, I I, I think that shows a little too racy for Hallmark, but <laughs> I could be wrong. Um, anyway, the the past few months, I've kind of made a habit um, of going to either Streetlight Records in Campbell or Rasputin Music in Campbell um, uh-huh. before the monthly uh, import meet. Okay, uh, just. I've got time to kill. You know, I'm done with work. I've, I've got nothing to do. Uh, it's either go hang out to the bookstore for a while, which is all well and good. But I'm like, I want to go find some old cassettes. Cause ever since you got me that Walkman, I've been mm-hmm. like, I want to re-experience the amazing fidelity kidding of mm-hmm. cassette tapes. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And I've been having some, you know, pretty good luck with what I've been finding. Um, and you can't really beat the prices. Um, Rasputin yeah. literally has any cassette. Doesn't matter how rare or special it is, it's a buck. Mm-hmm. So I've been. Um, I almost didn't go. I almost didn't go this month. I was tired, whatever, you know. And um, so I, yeah, last minute, I'm like, okay, I'm just going to go. Let's go do it. And um, I went by Streetlight first, found a few titles, bought them. And then I'm like, I'm tired. I should just, I should just go to the hangout. And then I'm like, nah, going up to Rasputin, you know, thinking who, who would sell a bunch of tapes 
in a month. You know, I'm like, it's going to be all the same stuff as last time. Yeah. Boy, was I wrong. Hmm. Boy, was I wrong. There was a bunch. B-52's Cosmic Thing. Mm -hmm. Um, There were some reggae titles. I picked up uh, uh, Bob Marley's uh, Rastaman Vibration. Um, Uh And then I just about crapped my pants, which was dangerous because I'm already squatting to see the the tapes as it is. There, sitting on the shelf... Yep. For a buck, yep. was the Moonlighting soundtrack. Uh, and ladies and gentlemen, I have to say that I have the greatest brother in the galaxy because <laughs> he bought it for me. I don't I have it yet, but I can did. picture it in my mind. I Correct me if I'm wrong, I think the cover art is like a picture of Civil Shepherd in like a dress and Bruce Willis like with his hand extended like he's going to shake your hand or something. His hand and leg are extended as though he's walking yes. very strangely. But that's yes. Bruce Willis in the 80s, so... Yes, I have distinct memories of sitting in mom and dad's car in the 80s with that playing in the tape deck while everybody's inside, like having dinner, watching TV, might be dusk or like evening. Really? And I Oh, yeah, I remember the the front of that uh, cassette tape very well. So this is amazing. I can't wait. It is. Yeah, I I can't wait to see you next and to get this to you. Um, This is wonderful. Like every... Every good cassette, I'm like a good used cassette, it shows some wear. You know, the letters are rubbed off a little bit, or the the card inside is, uh, you know, a little warped from opening it up and looking at it a bunch of times. Dude, this thing is mint. That's awesome. It was not sealed, but man, the tape and everything, I was looking at it today, it was mint. Apparently the uh, previous owner didn't rock out to it as much as I did. Probably not. <laughs> Probably not, but yeah, I can't wait to get that to you, man. A dollar well spent, sir. A dollar Indeed. well spent. Indeed. Indeed. Yeah. Anyway, let's take a look at the news. All right. And ABC News Break brought to you by Budweiser Beer. Stay with us. The late edition is next. So, the uh, <laughs> this is going to sound like a weird story, but given our topic of G.I. Joe this month, it, it kind of fits. Um like, right after we decided on this as a topic, I got this uh, article come through my newsfeed that apparently the Saudis have an armored <clears throat> truck that totally looks like something out of G.I. Joe. Hold on. Let me click on the link here. Let me see what this yeah. looks like. Hold on. O- just Open a this up. This, this All right, see totally, it, it kind of looks like the APC, okay, honestly. All righty. Here we go. Um... Uh... And the best part? It's... Yes. It's a Benz. It's a Mercedes. Hold a sec. Wait, um, I think I might be having some computer problems. Hold on a minute. You might want to like... Your North Korean computer. I don't know what's... Yeah, hold on a second. Hold on a second. Okay, let me click on the link here and check out and see what the picture of this thing looks like. Hold yeah. on a minute. Yeah. If there was ever a, you know giant G.I. Joe-esque uh, army truck that I've ever wanted. It's got to have a giant Mercedes-Benz logo on the nose, uh, which I think is just hilarious. You know, I'm really messing up this segment because my thing is, like, n- hold on a second. Uh, I'm just going to copy and paste it into a browser. What is going on? Fearless leader does not want you seeing this. I know. Apparently so. I'm not trying to sound like Zoya from from Glow, but apparently I am. 
It sounded a little Baroness. Oh yeah, it does kind of sound a little, a little bit. bit. Okay, staying on topic. <clears throat> I like that. Oh, okay. Here it is. Holy cats! Look at that thing. Yeah. Uh, it, it looks. Uh, it's very tan in color. Well, yeah, desert. Uh, yeah, uh, it definitely has a Mercedes Benz logo on the front. <laughs> um, it definitely looks like a GI Joe toy, doesn't it? It's pretty amazing. Do you do we know what this does? It looks expensive. Whatever it is. Well, of course it's expensive. It's it's a Mercedes Benz in the Middle East. Um, okay. I I don't know, but there were definitely you know some parallels drawn with kind of like a armored command center and lab kind of vehicle. Um, I don't know that the article actually lists out, but they do compare it to the Rock, the Rolling Operations Command Center from GI Joe. Wow. Uh, it definitely has a triangular shape. Uh, uh, window screen, uh, which is kind of interesting. Mm -hmm. uh, it's very angular, very like angular facet. It almost looks like a semi truck. You know, there's like a cab, and then it's pulling a trailer of some sort. You yes, know? exactly. Like it, like it kind of looks like like a GI Joe version of Optimus Prime. Maybe <laughs> yes, it does. But like a That's... like a Mercedes Benz version, I guess. Well, definitely that. Wow, this is fascinating. Yeah, yeah. interesting. Yeah. Okay. I thought just given our topic this month, it might be. Uh, kind of an interesting thing to to look at. Yeah, that's pretty cool. Um, this next story I I saw just just the other day, and I I was amazed. Nerf has basically rebooted laser tag. Wow! Yeah, now I'm looking at this thing right here. It looks like a uh, a handheld pistol. It's white. It says Nerf on the side. It says Laser Ops Flashpoint. Mm -hmm. Is that what it says? Yeah, laser wow. ops, bro. Um, so yeah, there's. So this new... is a Nerf weapon that doesn't dispense little foam things. Correct. Oh wow. Okay. Correct. This does not have darts. This has lasers. Um, okay. And so yeah, they they've got a new uh, line of what they call the Alpha Point and Delta Burst blasters. It's a uh, anywhere from about thirty to fifty bucks. Did you say Delta Burke? No, not Delta Burke. <clears throat> ah, thank you, Designing Women. No, Delta Burst. Delta Burst. Okay, sorry about that. That's okay. okay. My bad. Okay. That's okay. Um, from what it says in the article, and of course I'll have a link to all this in the show notes, um, the accuracy, the hit detection is really good, and there are some nice but rather loud sound effects that you can't turn off. Really? Okay. Yeah. Interesting. Um, and of course, being the 21st century, uh, you can connect the blasters to a free mobile app that will keep your stats and performance tracking because it's all about stats, apparently. Oh, of course. Of course. Wow. Yeah. It's pretty exciting. I know that, um, I can, I can see my kids getting, I can see Perrin getting into it. I should say, I'm not so sure about Echo. I could see Perrin getting into it. Does the does the pistol also double as the um, the target, so to speak, that you would shoot at to register a point? I guess. Uh... I remember with our laser tag growing up, there was almost like a ch not a chest plate, but like a little uh, thing you would kind of wear on your chest. That yes. was like a little red kind of deal or something. No, that, that's absolutely right. Um, I which do... I it, it always kind of looked like the medallion from the Secret of Nim. Do you remember that thing? Like the little rat girl had like the red medallion. Vaguely, no? yeah. Okay. Yeah. I always thought that, but all right. Okay, I got gotcha. you. Um, Interesting. Okay. 
You know, I'm not sure. Scrolling through the article, I do not see uh, that you wear anything uh, to receive the, the blast. Uh, I don't know, maybe the, the opposing gun holds it or if it's something to do with the app. Oh, okay. Interesting. But we'll see. Yeah, totally. All right, so this last note I was throwing on here just as we were coming online uh-huh. and talking about stuff. If I drop the name Day of the Tentacle... <laughs> <laughs> that's a great sentence. I'm sorry. That's that's probably the best reaction. <laughs> I've been I can waiting. Imagine. I've been waiting all week to hear that sentence. Apparently. <laughs> well, do you remember this game? Day of the Tentacle. Yeah. It's a game. Is it a board game? No, video game. It's a video game. Okay. Yeah. Um, like an arcade stand-up. Uh, arcade no, game? no. I'm pretty sure Console? it was. I'm pretty sure it was PC. He, oh, it was a PC game. Day of the Tentacle. Um. Was it like a Leisure Suit Larry kind of thing? It was a little more Maniac Mansion. Oh, that makes sense. Okay. Um, it was a, a Lucasfilm... Uh, I'm sorry, not Lucasfilm. Uh, LucasArts. Okay. Uh, title, in fact. They made two. Okay. Um, and they, they're, they're just weird, off-the-wall... You know, there's almost like B-movie-esque elements... Okay. Of it, um, um, and and it's obviously it's that that kind of gives it its maniac mansion esque ness, um, and people have always wanted a third game, and they just you know they moved on from those titles. Well, a group of fans based mostly in Germany, okay, have released a complete full standalone <clears throat> fan game that has pretty much. Everything you could ask for from the same art style, faithful voice acting, um, and the best part, it's free. Oh, that's wonderful. It oh, is very cool. absolutely and totally free. So if you remember these tentacle games from LucasArts, there wow. is now a third one that you can play. I will have a link to the article that has a link to the game okay. in the show notes, and you guys can check that out. Did you ever play it when you were a kid? Do you remember? I, I have some sort of vague recollection. Um, okay. They might have been just a little too advanced for, for the age that I was at. Mm-hmm. But that's, I think, kind of typical of some of the things that we've experienced in life. Okay. Um, but, yeah, when I saw that uh, come across my newsfeed, I'm like, wait a second. I, I, I think I remember this. Oh, cool. So, yeah. Worth giving that a look. I love when fans do stuff like that. Like, I just, um, I mean, I like to think of myself as kind of a fanboy, but I, I don't, um, I wish there was something that I loved enough to do something like that as a labor of love. Do you know what I mean? Oh, yeah. No, I, I absolutely yeah. get it. And that's, I mean, developing a game, it, Baron and Echo, I mean, they just had a, a one week, you know, summer camp thing where they got to design their own video game. Okay. Right. That's right. Yeah. Right. I shared it with mm-hmm. you and, and with mom and dad called Ocean Dodgeball, um, which I right, kept right. incorrecting calling incorrectly calling underwater dodgeball. It's actually Ocean Dodgeball. <laughs> oh, um, I know. <laughs> yeah, good job, dad. Um, and it's it's admittedly super simple, super basic, but they designed the characters, they designed the gameplay. Um, so yeah, I mean, doing something a lot more complex like this tentacle game, it's it's 
totally a labor of love, it must take a really long time and have tons of beta testing. Um, mm-hmm. But even if you're a seven-year-old and you only have about 15 hours in a week to do it, uh, you too can make a game. That's awesome. Yes. Ocean Dodgeball, available everywhere. Not really. <laughs> All right. You ready for the main event? So what are we talking about tonight? All right. This time on If Memory Serves. We are talking G.I. Joe. G.I. Joe, a real American hero. Real American hero, yes, indeed. <laughs> this is amazing. I can't tell you how excited I am to record this episode tonight. Holy moly. I, you know, I got a little worried that I wasn't going to have as many memories as I had. And looking at our notes right now, this is not going to be a short episode. No, not at all. Not by any nation. And ladies and gentlemen, if you are joining on the first episode you've listened to, of course, my brother Taylor and I, we talk mostly about our memories as kids growing up in the Bay Area in the 1980s and the 1990s. Most of the episodes we do, we kind of talk about maybe um, stores or restaurants that we fondly remember that no longer exist and they're only fragmentary scraps of evidence on the Internet. Tay, I think I think this might be of all the episodes we've done one of the, the ones where the topic we're dealing with there's actually like a plethora of great information and photos out there on the internet actually, um, which is kind of interesting because it's almost like um, uh, it's like where do you begin? Where do, what do you start talking about basically? Um, <laughs> well, that, I mean, one... that is inevitable that that we would get onto the topic of certain toys or certain shows or movies that we remember um yeah i think it's not all obscure stuff it's not all obscure stuff i think this is a our first episode dedicated solely to an individual toy line Uh, um and and of course i i I don't intend to make any pretense that our show is actually going to dispense really in-depth knowledge about gi joe there are so many websites books podcasts um created by people who know a thousand times more than taylor and i do but Really, it's just kind of what are our memories of with these materials, these toys, these cartoon shows. Um, I mean, of course, as many of our listeners probably know, G.I. Joe is a franchise. It's over 50 years old, starting out as a line of Hasbro toys um, that spawned a series of you know cartoon shows, comic books, movies. And, but I think, Taylor, correct me if I'm wrong, we're mm. mostly tonight going to be focusing on just our memories of G.I. Joe from the middle, the mid to late 1980s, I guess. You know, that's kind of what we're going to be mostly focusing on. Yeah, yeah, it is. I mean, we we were um, we were kids of the three and a quarter inch action figure era, right? Um, and and it's worth pointing out and giving a shout out to YoJo.com because that was a tremendous source of uh, basically memory jogger material. Mm-hmm. Um, where I could just go through the figures from year to year or go through the vehicles from year to year and be like, oh, oh, yeah, I totally, we totally had that. We also have, thankfully, um, a bunch of old home movie tapes that got converted to DVD a few years back mm-hmm. um, right. that we actually can look back at and confirm, oh, yeah, we totally had this. We totally had mm-hmm. that. Um, so... I didn't actually get a chance to look at the DVDs, but I know you did. Oh yeah, I I um I mean we'll we'll talk a little bit more about the the home movies in a bit, but they're definitely wonderful 
uh, I guess, document, almost a historical document, you might say. Um, even though we really don't have many, if any, of our childhood toys anymore. Uh, not um, G.I. Joe-wise. I, don't, I yeah, personally don't have any. We, I'm, I'm convinced we don't have any of our childhood Joes anymore. But, but to be honest with you, these home videos that we have, I almost, if I had to choose between having video footage from the era of us playing with these toys versus having just the toys themselves still around, I'd take the home movies, you know, because I could get the, I could replace the toys on eBay or something like that. You know what I mean? Oh, but yeah. The, no, I totally agree. The, the, having the home movies is, are just so dynamic. Yeah, exactly. And, you know, I mean, there's, there's plenty of stuff that I will, you know, go looking for on eBay and stuff that kind of bring that back. But boy, I don't have the room to go collecting a bunch of GI Joe stuff again. That's just, there's no space for that. But now when we were, when we were kids, what were your memories of our toy box like? Because I have, I think, different memories than you did. What, I, the only real clear like toy box memory that I have was a big yellow wooden toy box. And if I remember right, it actually had wooden letters attached to it that said toys. Oh, that's really ringing a deep bell for me. Yeah. Is it? Was that in your closet? Uh, yes. Okay. Yes, I'm pretty okay. sure it was. Um, now, obviously, today it would probably seem a lot smaller, but as a kid, it seemed really large. Sure. Um, and is it something you could drag around? Was it just oh, stationary no, and static? No, 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 no. no. It was okay. stationary. I mean, I it wasn't attached to anything, as I recall. Okay. Um, so I guess if you really wanted to, you could drag it around, but you'd be dragging around, you know, a heavy wooden toy box on wood floors, and that's just going to make mom and dad angry. And just to kind of set the stage for the listeners, um, I mean, we shared a bedroom, but we had independent closets. Um, if Small I recall though correctly. they were, we did have independent closets. And maybe a, maybe bunk beds? Um, we did eventually have bunk beds and for a period. Then, yes, for a period. And then after Loma Prieta in 89, um, we were like, yeah, no, let's reconfigure these. So they're two twin beds side right, by side. Right. So we lost a lot of floor space in that room when we did that, but we gained quite a bit of, um, peace of mind. See, my memory of the toy box was of a nondescript cardboard box that i would drag out of my closet and it, i'm sure it was like an old you know mickey's malt liquor cardboard you know shipping case or something <laughs> and i remember it being chock full of miscellaneous joes and masters of the universe figures and there was always this one i'm eventually we'll do a star wars i'm sure episode oh, but yeah. there was um there was one uh, action figure of han solo from empire strikes back where he's wearing the blue Hoth snow trench coat or you know okay. snow coat kind of thing. Yeah, yeah. And I I remember him always being in the corner of the box, and he was like, like I would look at him with disgust and be like, oh, nobody's ever going to play with him again. You know, it's like Aww. why is he even still there? Yeah, I know it's totally sad and heartless. You know, but Poor he was on. just like, yeah, he was the one that was always just like, you're still here. <laughs> you know well, what I mean? Yeah, I we did. I mean, ultimately, as we got older, because that that yellow toy box. I mean, that's like I'm a toddler kind of okay. memories a lot of our toy boxes became yeah just here's a cardboard box full of legos yeah let's try right. not to let the cat pee in it um right. Right. that's a whole story for another time um probably a lego episode but yes we'd have a box of joe stuff we'd have a box of 
maybe just action figure stuff. And and yeah, it was pretty much cardboard because we didn't have the container store. We didn't have Target full of, you know, here's every shape of plastic bin you could ever want. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I mean, I, I think our G.I. Joe experience is probably, say, 84 to 87 or 88. Yeah, I think that's about probably. right. Probably. Um, the home movie that we'll listen to a clip of later in the show is from 1984. Okay. I was about five years old, and I'm sure I really don't have many memories before I was five. Um, but I think the last... I was, I've been looking at old G.I. Joe cartoons, images of the toys and vehicles when they were released, comic book covers. Mm-hmm. And I think of all the material that I can remember, the last item that I can remember... Um, that had the latest release date was 1987. So I, I'm thinking for me, okay. it was probably 84 to maybe 89, counting maybe counting like TV reruns, I guess. Yeah, you know? um, based based just on the toys because I was I was looking at a bit of that today, trying to trying to fill out the rest of the list. Mm-hmm. Is I don't really think there was much on that list that I like had a. a, a strong recollection of past about um 1987 yeah okay so 87 89 something like that um and even though our memories of gi joe date from the 80s um as we said earlier you know gi joe in a 12 inch version existed in the 1960s and Hey, it's I'm very excited to learn that our uncles Rob and Jeff actually played with those GI Joes. Yeah, um, which almost kind of makes it kind of like a uh, I don't want to say family tradition, but there was definitely a generational thing going on there. Oh sure, um, sure, and I'm, I'm and sure actually, that's true for a lot of people. Yeah, right. Um, and actually, I think uh, you know, not too long ago, we had a chance to uh, record our uncle Jeff and ask him a couple questions about some of his GI Joe memories. And I think this is kind of exciting because I don't think we've ever had another family member on the podcast before so to speak no Uh, no this is a first yeah we were all over at mom and dad's for for dad's birthday right um and we we took some time to kind of pull jeff pull jeff aside away from everyone (laughs) else for a little bit and ask him some questions so here is our uncle jeff talking about his gi joe memories well uh i guess my first question is uh when do you first remember playing with gi joes was it something like a classmate was into was there a commercial you saw on tv and you were like oh i need to play with those uh i had a group of buddies that were uh my neighbors um jim perry and david lee and uh we always hung out and one or the other got one first, and then of course the rest of us had to get him. Yeah, right. right. Yeah, but but I remember he was big. He was well, like yeah, a the, foot tall. The twelve inch. Yeah, era. yeah, not the three and a quarter that we no. grew up with. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, he he was tall and, and blonde and uh, very white, and uh, I don't think they had a black one out yet. So it was just one figure. It wasn't like a series. Each one had a different name. This is. You know, uh, I don't think back or, then. I think okay. it was just. This is Joe, right? Yeah, you know, right. and he was crew cut, muscular, and came with the fatigues that, you know, general issue. But then everything else you had to buy on the side, right? Okay, like, okay. I remember having yeah. the Jeep, accessories, accessories, yeah, bazookas, and, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. 
stuff like that. So. And uh, is it true you used to uh, engage fireworks with yes. the G.I. Joes? <laughs> yeah, well, when, after his appeal wore off after we played with him for a while, we definitely, uh, um, there was lots of construction of neighborhoods around our, so we had lots of hills and dirt and stuff. So, yeah, we definitely, uh, we'd strap firecrackers onto him or his Jeep and uh, then light them off or... Uh-huh. Uh, our biggest fun was we would we would take his pants off uh-huh. and light the, his jeep on fire, so and then push him down the hill, so that uh, you know he would be pantsless as he's jeeps on fire and he's screaming down the hill. We thought that was like, hilarious. Well, it sounds hilarious. We thought it was cats meowing. We also we used to build model battleships. Yes, I've heard this story. Yeah, tell it. Yeah, and we light them on fire and then push them out in the middle of my parents pool and my mom used to get so pissed because it clogged the filters and filters. stuff wouldn't it? yeah yeah, yeah. <laughs> we'd spend days building these things just to light them on fire and burn them so that's awesome all great yeah. artists destroyed eventually right yeah now i'm an airline pilot <laughs> yeah in a post 9-11 world yeah yep. exactly flying around airplanes with you know nineteen thousand pounds of <laughs> and when I retire, <laughs> you'll have a pantsless GI Joe figure sitting on the dashboard with you, right? Yeah, like those. How to do that? Because you know those gnomes, yes. those travel gnomes. Yes. You take them everywhere. We do that. pictures and stuff. Yeah, yeah there you go. We put them on My like the labs <laughs> toilet seat, taking this picture. <laughs> That'd be rad. Put them on the dash up at thirty-seven thousand. Yeah, we should do that with GI Joe. When you were, I assume, in your 20s and G.I. Joe came back in the 80s, um, do you remember that at all? Were you thinking to yourself, what the heck are these? They're too small. Or did you just not even acknowledge that they existed because no, you were doing other stuff? I was into girls. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> Understand. And airplanes. And airplanes. Right, right. But I do okay. remember Major Matt Mason. Okay. Now, which was about that size. He right. was about that big. Okay. Uh, so I guess when G.I. Joe came out in the smaller version, I thought it was just a... Kind of reminded you of that. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Either that or people were shrinking. I don't know. <laughs> Could have been. Do you have any questions, Dave? No, 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 no. I'm, I'm, okay. I, my, my thing was the battleship memory. I remember, I remember mom telling me that story <laughs> and going, I'm like, you're kidding me. He's like, no, 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 they totally did that. Totally did yeah, that. Yeah, that's so cotton with lighter fluid. Oh, God. sucker with black smoke. Yeah, jeez. As the plastic melted. That was awesome. <laughs> and then, then we would always make little screaming sounds as the burning crew members were diving off. The sailors were diving in the water. Oh, there's a whole theater of the mind <laughs> yeah, aspect yeah. going here. We I love were, this. We were normal kids in the 60s. Yeah. You know? Okay, okay. Did, didn't everybody do this? In the 60s? I don't know. I, I wasn't there. I so this wasn't normal? I don't know about that. <laughs> it might have been. I mean, we certainly have home video of, of us in the 80s playing in this backyard with our G.I. Joes and well, doing and all manner of stuff. And the Star Wars stuff. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and the Star Wars stuff, totally. Yeah. So yeah. It was normal, right? Was uh, was Grandpa Paul cool if you came home from playing with your kid, your friends, with like a, a 12-inch toy that was like covered in soot and stuff? Or no, I don't think he uh, was paying attention to that. Uh, okay. But it was a shock when we first found out that... G.I. Joe didn't have sure junk when we <laughs> took his pants off the yeah. first time. We were like, what? <laughs> so clearly you hadn't seen a Ken doll at that point. No. Okay. <laughs> then we started thinking. I think we right. might have scrounged up a Ken and then Barbie to see, you know. Yeah. And then he looked remarkably alike with their pants <laughs> off. So we were confused. Yeah, I believe it. Yeah. I believe it. 
Did you, was there any sense back then about playing with quote unquote war toys? These, it seems like different generations have different uh, approaches to quote unquote war toys or the political correctness mm-hmm, thereof. Mm-hmm. Do you remember there being any? Were people cool with them? So I'm trying to think what them, what time or? of year, what years this had been like the mid '60s, right? Right. Yeah. So Vietnam was going on early Vietnam at least, but Vietnam was still a good thing. Okay. I think at that point, I don't <laughs> think it was until later that you know start of the '70s that people started realizing, hey, this is a bad thing. I don't remember that being. Turned, yeah. I mean, my parents bought me all kinds of stuff. They bought me, you know, a James Bond 007 gun. With oh a wow! Holster, which I used to yeah. put my Sunday suit on and <laughs> take to Sunday school. I remember it would be under my, and you'd be packing. Yeah, I'd be oh, packing man. in Sunday school, and one day it fell out. Oh, Are you serious? Right in the middle of Sunday school, oh, I had boy. to reach down and pick it up. <laughs> secret, secret agent moves. <laughs> and I mean, everybody fantastic. stopped and looked at it. <laughs> and looked at me. Don't mess with that kid. <laughs> Wow. Yeah, I've so, never heard that story before. That's yeah, awesome. so there must not have been any qualms about buying okay. their kids that kind of stuff. Yeah, yeah. Either that or Grandpa did it. I don't know. Okay. <laughs> nice. Right. Well, this is awesome. Thank you so much for appearing as a guest <laughs> sure. star on our podcast. You're welcome. Yeah. Cool. The check is in the mail, or oh, of course. Oh, yes. Oh, yeah. Yes. <laughs> it is. It is. Do you remember how to write a check? Still, it's you know the 21st century. I was in. I was in line at Safeway behind a woman who was writing a check the other day. It's like, <laughs> are you? Freaking kidding me? <laughs> Three minutes later. Yeah. <laughs> wow. What? The date? <laughs> Wasn't that neat? Oh, that was wonderful. Yeah. <laughs> and I, you know, I, I definitely, uh, I don't, I definitely don't remember blowing up any of our our uh, real American hero toys. But not, um... not properly blowing them up. But <laughs> we did. I one of my favorite memories. It was um, their their dune buggy, the the awe striker. Uh, if I remember right. And we were, you know, we were just playing with him. And I was like, Dad, I want to make this thing look like it got shot up. Like with bullet holes. Right, right, like with bullet holes. And he was like, all right, let me see what I can do. And proceeded to take his soldering iron (laughs) and and poke the equivalent of like mortar-sized holes. Nope, big holes in the plastic body of the toy, right? Now, it looked great. It looked great, but but they were definitely not bullet sized holes. And in fact, one of the headlights, because it's got big old you know dune buggy headlights, just he just melted a hole straight through the headlight. <laughs> I was like, I guess this works because Cobra's got laser weapons, right? 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 Yeah, sure. yeah, sure, sure. Yeah, it makes they perfect melted sense. the car with their lasers because they obviously can't hit people. I think of all the memories that you put in the show notes that I didn't remember that mm. was the, my favorite of them because i just i you know it, it, it'd be fun to have an old childhood toy but it's, it'd be fun to have a, like a customized childhood toy still from oh uh, yeah like that I mean, if, if we still uh, had that one that would be that would be one to hang on to just just for the the, the personalization it saw right right yeah now tate did you did you read any of the gi joe marvel comic books that that uh, existed in the 1980s and in, in conjunction with the toy line um, I, I did it Actually, I, I totally okay. remember getting, I, I think the two comics that I was into, the, the two like regular run comics, because there were always weird stuff that we'd find like um, you know, Captain Carrot or something strange like that. Um, the Amazing Zoo Crew. The Amazing Zoo Crew, that's right, yes. Yeah. And the, the yeah. teenage radioactive hamster something. 
I forget. Oh, I don't remember that one. Oh, I do. I'll have to look for that one. Okay. Um, but yeah, I remember get, I'm, I got G.I. Joe and Transformers. Um, so you did the Transformers comics too. Okay. I'm pretty sure I did the Transformers comics. Yeah. I mean, the only other thing I did aside from that was harass the guys at RNK Comics in Santa Clara but to get Doctor Who magazine in. <laughs> um, but yeah, I, I would totally pick up the G.I. Joe comics. Um, I understand having watched the toys that made us on Netflix that, um, basically the comics just served as a giant commercial <clears throat> for the toys. Yeah. Cause I that's think... how they could get away with basically, you know, here's all these things you can get cause right. you're seeing them in right. the comic. And I'm sure our listeners could, could correct me if I'm wrong, but I, I think, I think there was some sort of maybe FCC rule in the 1980s that if you had a children's cartoon show or television show, you couldn't, advertise during the program have commercials for toys from that show but i guess they were able to just have tv commercials for the comic book or something like that so there was a cross promotional i don't know something or other but yeah and i think i think one of the rules was that if you're gonna have a commercial for a toy um there was there was a very small percentage of it that of that commercial time that could be animated Oh, I got you. Oh, okay. I get it. I get it. Okay. So it'd be mostly live action of little kids playing. Right. And if you go back and you look at a lot of commercials from that era for a lot of toys is you see the kids playing with them. Yeah. Right. Right. Uh, So yeah, there was a bit of both of those. The, the, the documentary on that is really good. It, It taught me so much. Like the, the guy who, the guy from Marvel who was basically in charge of writing this, you know, he meets with these guys and he's like, okay, so who's the enemy and everybody Hasbro's were like, I, uh, I, I, don't, I don't know, you know, star Wars characters are going to be the enemy or, you know, yeah. Barbie's going to be the enemy. And <laughs> like, we don't have an enemy. It's just GI Joe fighting all your other toys. And they're like, well, we can't do that. Right. Right. And somebody just came up with the name Cobra just like and history was made out of their butts. And that's, that's what it was. Yeah. Well, you know, I, I, uh, I love the Marvel comic as well. Um, I think aside from Ninja Turtles, it was the only comic book I was into as a kid. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, I, I liked like Garfield books and like Family Circus books and Mad Magazine. Um, I've been trying to revisit. There's some great resources online that show a lot of the cover art of all the different Marvel J. Joe comic books, and okay. I've been like scrolling through them and being like, um, uh, almost like Madeline Kahn in History of the World part one where it's like i'm going like no 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 yet because it's like only like one out of every 10 like looks familiar where i'm like okay i know that i had that comic with that cover art and, and it's and weird because an like most analogy <laughs> it's, most of the ones that i remember were like uh between issue number 50 and issue number 60 which is from about 86 87 you know so i was trying to date them but i'm starting to think now that maybe what it was was like i was going to comic book stores maybe like 87 88 and just like going through the old gi joe comic books and only buying the ones that had like interesting cover art because i don't think i bought them in sequence so it's really difficult i've been trying to kind of date my memories based on release dates of things that that we can find online you know well here i tell Uh, you what next time you find yourself in my town um and and if we can make it happen we'll go down to the comic book store because they've got a bunch of used comics too 
Yeah. And we'll we'll dig through and we'll we'll look for some of the old G.I. Joe titles. Yeah. I don't know that I could remember the issues that I had just from looking at covers. I haven't tried, but I don't mm-hmm. feel like I've got very strong memories of what the covers looked like. I could be wrong. So now as we kind of go into the part of the podcast where we're going to talk about the toys, I really wanted to bring up a really brief discussion of the uh, eternal debate, the morality of quote-unquote war toys. And you know, I want to talk uh, – oh, go ahead. I, I, I was just going to say, but before we do that, because that, that, that is a really important topic, uh-huh. um, weren't you saying at one point that you know our home movies not only have been a treasure to us, uh-huh. um, but they've actually – been used basically as evidence in online arguments oh 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 oh! i see what you're saying is that right Um, well yeah i mean i when i think what happened was you took the vhs tapes and you converted them to dvd maybe five years ago or something like that something like that and i took um some of the clips from us playing with the gi joe toys on our home movies and that were on dvd and i put them up on youtube yeah then i would I would post the links to various like GI Joe online forums and stuff like that. And actually, over the past couple of years, and there's actually been some really, um, really kind uh, comments from members of the public who um, got a kick out of seeing these things. Um, uh, there was one um, one gentleman who looked at our videos, um, and especially with regards to the. Um, Falcon and Viper gliders, which we'll talk about later on in the episode, which are okay. G.I. Joe toys yeah. um, from about, I think, 83 or 84. Mm-hmm. Um, and they, they're they actually really um, rare and valuable collectibles today because they were, they were basically hang gliders for the action figures, but they were made of styrofoam, so they have a really kind of poor survival rate up until the modern sure. times. Everything sure. else is hard plastic, you know? So I guess because of that, um, they're maybe they might be easy to fake. So there's a lot of fakes floating around. Oh, no kidding. Uh, okay. Yeah, and what, there was one gentleman who actually, um, after viewing our videos, said that, uh, he said that our videos, our home movies, were uh, more evidence that the foam gliders don't look like the 83 pamphlets, um, which I'm not sure really what that refers to, but it, apparently maybe there were um, publications or um, paperwork literature brochures from Hasbro, you know, kind of profiling maybe some of these toys and yeah, the actual they, they production just... toys looked a little different. So maybe mm-hmm. there's some people that are, you know, buying the vintage toys, but they're saying, hey, is this real or is it fake? Because it doesn't look like the promotional literature, but, you know. Well, and um, it's certainly possible that in promotional literature they used an early prototype because they needed a photo. Exactly. Yeah, exactly. So I think there's – um, but I, I really get a big kick out of that of um, people – um, I love it whenever, you know, people like the stuff that I like, but also if the stuff that I like can at some, in some way be of use to somebody in some fat form or fashion. So yeah, it's, that's uh, cool. it's really kind of fun. Yeah. Yeah. That's um, cool. but, um, yeah, cause we, I mean, we loved these toys. We had so many of them as we're going to talk about. Holy um, yeah. We had episode. a lot more than I realized. Um, but you know, one person who probably wasn't as big a fan of GI Joe toys as we were was Amanda Wilbur. Yeah, tell and me about Amanda Wilbur, because I, I never who, knew this story. Who was Amanda Wilbur? Well, let me tell you. So in 1989, there was an anti-war protester who went into the uh, Kitty World toy store in the city of Capitola, California, and put homemade warning stickers on lots of their G.I. Joe toys. And there was a newspaper article at the time that covered this, and the article read, 
uh, in part, quote, a Santa Cruz woman whose lifelong pacifism turned to activism in a Capitola toy store will have to pay more than $400 and perform 40 hours of community service for pasting, pasting warning stickers on war toys. Amanda Wilbur, 21, was arrested in December at the Kitty World store in Capitola for placing the following message on war toy packages. Warning, think before you buy. This is a war toy. Playing with it increases anger and violence in children. And this story was actually picked up by the Weekly World News. Oh, no kidding. And I love this story for so many reasons. First of all, it took place in the 80s, which is what this podcast is all about. It's our childhood memories. Um, it's about G.I. Joe, which is this month's ep- episode topic. It takes place in the city of Capitola, which, as we've seen from our past few episodes, was an important place in our childhood. Um, it was featured in the work- Weekly World News, which we talked about in our paranormal episode. Yep. Um, and it takes place at Kitty World. And I, I'm not sure if we've talked about Kitty World in our podcast yet or not. We've but, mentioned it. Um, we've mentioned it. Um, Kitty World was a mom-and-pop uh, independent toy store realtor um, in San Jose. It was it was essentially one store, but they had two locations: one in San Jose and one in Capitola, which is where this event took place. Yeah, they actually had two two locations. Um, I don't think I've ever visited as a child. I never visited the Capitola location, but Mm -hmm. I think Taylor, correct me if I'm wrong. We spent a good portion of our childhood and our allowance money at the San Jose location of the Kitty World, to say the least. And I'll make sure that there's a link to this Weekly World News article. (laughs) <laughs> uh, in the show notes so you can check it out and all the other strange things on the page and that this article appears on another really great thing is i think that as we go through our episode tonight i think that now that 30 years has passed since this incident in 1989 um it's almost like you and i are part of an experiment because we were children that grew up with these toys so now at the end of this episode i want to ask the question and look back did playing with these G.I. Joes increase anger and violence in our lives? So, um, folks, hold on to your horses. We are going to actually break some sociological ground tonight, potentially, and uh, answer some of the bigger questions at play here. So, uh, <laughs> All right, fair, fair. But, um, yeah, because actually, um, preparing for tonight's episode, I talked to Mom, and I was, I was like, well, you know, how did you and Dad feel about buying you know, tons of G.I. Joe toys for us. Did Were you cool with it? Did you think like, hey, this is not a good idea, you know? Because I, I was really curious, mm-hmm. you know? And mom actually had a really interesting point. She was saying that um, back in the 80s, her philosophy was um, because the G.I. Joe toys were fighting against Cobra and they weren't fighting against like an actual nation or ethnic group or nationality right um, was a that made it organization. okay yeah like i guess i guess presumably if the enemy had been not been cobra but had been like the soviets or something like that with little toy soviets that you could buy uh-huh. then in that instance she would have not been cool with it basically but i um, but I, I want my yuri action <laughs> figure with his big fuzzy hat and you know <laughs> accessory vodka <laughs> yes and his Kalishnikov well, rifle well i mean i mean i i mean one of my probably my biggest thesis that i've kind of touched on in some of our episodes was how i think a lot of our childhood memories the pop culture the toys that we the movies that we're exposed to were really influenced either directly or indirectly by the cold war and i think probably you probably see that strongly in the gi joe experience oh 
Of um, course. I mean, you know, G.I. Joe's coming out kind of in that 82-83 era. I mean, it's it's March of 83 that Reagan gives his whole Evil Empire speech. I mean, that's that's like peak Cold War. Right, right, right. <laughs> you know, so, so it, this absolutely, this all ties into that. You know, there's this whole, like, wave of patriotism, um, you know, in hindsight, you know, blind jingoistic patriotism at that time um, with all of that going on and I, I mean I remember feeling that as a kid mm-hmm, you mm-hmm. know it's like hey we're awesome and these other guys are crap so yeah but at the same time being completely mm-hmm. terrified of nuclear annihilation I was a complex sure. child apparently <laughs> well hey we've talked about our home movies a little bit how about we play um, a clip for the listeners so they can hear um uh, some some of what uh, what we've uh, what we've experienced as little kids. Um, just a warning, folks. Uh, this clip it's about four and a half minutes long. I think it's great, but some other people maybe would, would get a little tired of it. I hope it's not tedious, but let's take a listen. <laughs> All right, let's check this out.
Hi everybody, it's me, Radio, and you got 25 seconds to get your butt out of here. Okay, now you you sneak attack this time. Me? No, he did. And you you crawl up to him. Okay, okay, okay. 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 Deb, you're in front of the camera. You're in front of the camera. How was that? That was that just brought back some memories. I'll tell you. Boy, oh boy! I, the funny thing is, is like I I even remember like which home movie that was. I I could just close my eyes and mm-hmm. still see that. Now, my I have so many things to talk about with you about this home movie. The mm-hmm. first one, do you have any remem- any memories of the video recorder, the actual hardware that Dad had? Oh to my God! This? Yeah, the 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 two piece top loader where you had to carry half the VCR with you mm-hmm, mm-hmm. in order to record in like the, a bag, was... almost like a purse. Yes. Right? Yeah. Yeah. It, it was like a like a giant half VCR sized satchel. Right. Right. And the camera was separate. This is this is pre camcorder. You know the the tape did not load into the camera. You carried half the goddamn VCR with you. And there was a big cable running from like the the shoulder bag mm-hmm. into the camera, mm-hmm. right? Yep. Okay. Yep. Okay. Um, now, who was now? There was there was a there was a third kid that we heard in this video named Jack. Now, yeah. who was Jack? Well, what are Jack, your memories of Jack? Jack Jack lived down the street with, from us. Maybe okay. about eight or nine houses down. Um, okay. Older kid, you know. I he was he was a teenager when we were, you know, five and seven years old. Right, because um, this is this is Memorial Day '84, so I I know I was five. So you were seven, right? Um, let's, let's do the 80, math here. '84. Uh, yeah, I was seven. Okay, because <clears throat> my birthday is in September. Duh. Um. And yeah, it's at the, at the time it was, you know, fun neighborhood kid. Yeah. Let's play, you know, whatever. I didn't think about it. I look back on it now and I look, I'm like, how, how, like how few kids were in our neighborhood that, you know, a, a, a basic teenager was like, yeah, I guess I'll play with these little kids. He was probably 13. I, I, I'm guessing. I, I mean, I never knew the age difference between us growing up, but that was my guess. But I mean, you're exactly right. I mean, what a what a great guy. What a big heart. What salt of the earth. I mean, for a 13 year old to be playing around with five year olds and seven year olds. I mean, that's really uh, 
you know, that's a, he's a good guy, mm-hmm. you know. Um, mm-hmm. But you know, you know what, you know what kind of puts ice in my veins just now? Uh, the fact that we're all getting older. The fact that in this whole movie, Dad was thirty-three years old. Oh, shut up! Oh my God! Oh my God! Wait, doesn't that just he was? Doesn't that oh. just make the hair on the back of your neck stand up? Oh. I mean, I mean, I mean, that just makes me, I, it makes me want to cry almost. Jeez. Well, I mean, I'm gonna, I mean, the... I'm. I'm going to turn 40 this year. You yeah, know what I mean? Yeah, we got to figure like, out what we're doing for your birthday, too. But 33. I mean, dad, our dad, our dad. I mean, it just, it just, oh, my God. Yeah, he just celebrated, what, his 68th birthday. Oh, my God. Now, I love how in our home movie we actually, there was a bit at the beginning, and if I'm understanding it right, we actually made up a TV commercial for, Yes. it was almost like a McDonald's Burger King hybrid. <laughs> um, and I... <laughs> and, and and I really, I really think that this is important. I really love this part because I think You're it shows this idea how. Will catch on. Well, no, I mean, I. It's almost like I think, um, the the toys almost back then were like a a way to allow kids to almost like rewatch TV shows or movies in their minds before we had like DVD players and instant replay. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. No. So I, it's almost I, like I can playing. That, sure. We're actually like reenacting what we're seeing on TV. So mm-hmm. of course there has to like a commercial you know and it's interesting because may 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 84 when this whole movie was made at that point as far as i know they're the only gi joe cartoons that had been televised by that point it was the first five-part um, animated miniseries so there actually wasn't a lot of uh, gi joe cartoon content floating about at that point which i think is kind of interesting that is interesting i didn't know that now one thing one thing the listeners won't hear unless they actually go on youtube to view this is that you're actually during this home movie segment wearing an epic michael jackson <laughs> pin on your shirt oh, which i am just uh, in love with i think that I'm is glad just you the love perfect, it it's like the perfect 1984 time capsule kind of thing it, you know it, it is in a lot of ways it i won't lie it's it's hard to listen to myself at that age is what Are it you serious? is a little bit yeah no i i not basically in what i'm saying just literally how i sound i'm like i sounded like that no it's great it's great Um, i love it but yeah Uh, i've I've, and you know listeners you notice i I had my little you know elmer fudd thing that i went to speech classes for in uh in elementary school and then i years and years later i learned that really your hard r's don't form until at least fifth grade and this was way before that um but yes that epic michael jackson pin that that was a kitty world find that was you know oh, that's awesome. dollar button bin kind of thing i don't know why i wanted 84 was thriller though that was probably what it was oh sure sure <clears throat> um I, there was one part in the home movie that the listeners heard um where i was counting numbers and that's actually if you watch the video i have a little um gi joe action figure at uh, i think his name is tan t-a-n grunt um, okay. And I was making him drive the tank. And actually, at one point in the home movie, I took him out of the tank and made him do sit-ups, made him do exercises to this get ready for best. battle. This is the best. And, I love this. I love this so much. And 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 I, I love it too. But it's really interesting because when you think about uh, the GI Joe action figures, the the way that they were designed and constructed, like with the weird rubber band in the middle of their body can mm-hmm. they kind of give it more mobility i mean if you think about like a kenner star wars action figure that had almost what maybe just like five points of articulation i mean a gi joe figure 
was capable of doing sit-ups where you know probably your han solo you know could barely do any sort of exercises yeah you know? so he, he could that's a standing carbonite really well exactly you know it's like this is a toy i can make do exercises even right. though i myself probably am never going to do a sit-up in my entire life but uh, still, you were like, a you know? lot better at that when you were younger than you are these <laughs> days my brother Oh my gosh, jeez! I, I just I just love the fact that we have these old home movies. Um, yeah, totally. And and look, I'm always going to be my own worst critic. Like I'm listening to myself talk about oh in mir- in military time it's this right now. And, no, no, that's know. great. That's great. And and I and I, I really I can't complain because you know I I I I kind of see these same. Uh, mannerisms of sorts in 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 my own kids, and I delight in it uh, when I see them doing it. I delight in it when I see you making your GI Joe action figure do do exercises. I listen to myself, and I'm like, uh, I cringe. It's it's just me being my own worst critic. That's that that's all it is. Oh, I just love it. I think it's great. Well, and I think your stuff is great too. So. <laughs> So um, I'm not sure about for you, but for me, Tay, it's interesting because I kind of, as far as the toys went, I probably had 90% interest in the vehicles and only about 10% interest in the action figures. Okay. I mean, I was I was really drawn to like the box art and the art on the um, the blister packs for the yeah. action figures. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, I I only today I learned that apparently a lot of that artwork was done by a guy named Hector Garrido. Okay. And um, I always thought that, like, the G.I. Joe box art kind of almost looked like old Christian icons with flaming halos. And this guy, Hector, the artist, he's, like, he's a commercial illustrator. He did a lot of book covers and stuff. Mm-hmm. But it's fascinating because if you go on eBay and search his name, you'll find some G.I. Joe stuff. But, like, 90% of it is, like, um, porcelain plates with, like, Catholic religious iconography painted oh, on it. no kidding. Yeah. And How it's, like... Is that? I almost kind of like want to, I mean, mom's the biggest Catholic I know. I kind of almost want to buy some of that stuff for her, maybe for Christmas, you know? Maybe and just not, not tell her it's the same guy who did the G.I. Joe art. <laughs> right, right. Or just be like, look, can I, can you, can you draw me, like, can, can I get like a porcelain plate and have like Our Lady of, of, of Storm Shadow? Right, right. You know, like a, like a ninja saint or something, you yes. know? Yes. Um, well, and that would work for mom because she does martial arts. Yeah, it would actually, yeah. But really quick, I'm going to run down some of the, the um, G.I. Joe toys that I can remember us having. Yeah, um, please, because then I'll, I'll go through my list, too. So I remember us having um, the motorized battle tank, mm-hmm. the amphibious personnel carrier, the Cobra Fang, which was a little black helicopter. Yeah. Um, the Dragonfly assault copter, which was kind of like a Bell H1 Huey Cobra helicopter. Yeah, I think that was that was Wild Bill's. Right, right. Yeah. Um, there were the, of course, the Falcon and Viper gliders that the styrofoam hand gliders we learned about earlier. Mm-hmm. There was the snake battle armor, which yes. was almost like a plastic shell that you could put an action figure inside of. Yeah, it was a big old. Do like, you remember those? Oh, I do. The total exoskeleton kind of. It was almost like playing inside a refrigerator for an action figure. <laughs> yeah, which, sort of. as Punky Brewster taught me, is something you're not supposed to do. I don't uh, think. So many things Punky Brewster could teach you. Oh, um, sorry. Yes. Go ahead. <laughs> Go ahead. It's weird because it's like I've been watching me watching some of the old cartoons for the first time in 30 years this week, and every time I see those snake battle armor things on the cartoon, they're actually just robots. You know, they're not. There's no like human inside of them, which is kind oh, of interesting. Weird. Um, I also remember us having the uh, chameleon swamp skier, 
which was like a little um it was like a like a jet ski that you rode uh, laying on your stomach, it would came with the oh, sure. a figure we'll talk later on a, a Zartan. Zartan. Um, I remember the Cobra Assault System Pod, which is basically like a blue anti tank, anti aircraft gun looking thing. Okay. Um, there was the Cobra Covert Covert Light Aerial Weapon, which again was a like a little white um, jetpack you could with wings you could attach to the back of an action figure. I oh, think. Oh yeah, 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 yeah. I remember that one. Um, there was the Cobra water moccasin, yes. which was, it looked like an airboat or like a fan boat. You might mm-hmm. tool around the Florida Everglades in. Yeah. Um, and the last toy I can remember us having G.I. Joe toy was the Cobra Pogo ballistic battle ball. It that came out around remember. 87, 89 and it was super lame because it was basically just a cockpit mounted on three Pogo sticks. <laughs> um, but it was, uh, it, I definitely remember it, but it was, it was probably the last, the last gasp as far as I was concerned. But I'm actually really interested to learn what toys you remembered in preparing for tonight's episode. Um, yeah, let me, um, just because I want to supplement my notes with, um, uh, like the full names, because it's like I'm just I'm writing stuff down. Um, so I, I remember Flack, which okay. was kind of like a a, a stationary. Uh, it was like a little cannon, the little yeah, a little cannon. Yeah, it's yeah, like a flat bend. Mm-hmm. Exactly. Um, obviously the the tank I remember. Um, I have huge memories of Ram, which was basically a motorcycle with a Gatling gun in place of the sidecar. That's awesome. I wish I remembered that. Oh, I have huge memories of that. For somebody who fell off the back of a dirt bike as a kid and didn't want anything to do with motorcycles ever again after that, I absolutely loved this toy and and other motorcycle toys from other, um, you know, Robotech and... uh, stuff like that tron you know mm-hmm. other other motorcycle type stuff so but the ram yeah absolutely loved that thing um i you you wrote something in the, the show notes you said i think we had the display case yeah if if, if you're on yojo.com and you're under the three and a three quarter inch vehicles for 1982 series one <laughs> down at the bottom under accessories was the official collector display case that rings a bell Oh, so it was um, it was basically like a, a case that you could put your figures and carry them around in. Exactly. Okay, I got you. Yeah. So we might have had that. Okay, I got you. Yeah, I think we did. Okay. Um, so, and I'm just, you know, I, I was just clicking through the years. Yeah, we had the, the personnel carrier. We had the Fang. We had the Cobra Hiss. Mm-hmm. Um, the the Hiss tank. Fl- yeah. Oh, wow. Oh, yeah, we totally had that. Wow. Yeah. Are you sure? Mm, pretty sure. Wow. Okay, that's cool. Like I said, I didn't have time to go looking back through the, the DVDs. Yeah, through yeah. the home movies, but I have a pretty strong recollection. Pretty strong of that memory. One. Okay. Um, and yeah, we had the snake, we had the falcon, we had the dragonfly, we had the polar battle bear. And that's the snowmobile, that's right? That's the snowmobile. We had that? We had that. That's awesome. Yeah. Obviously, we, had the, cool we, we had the Sky Striker. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, I don't remember if we had the Wolverine that 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 little tank with the ground air missiles on it. Um, mm. it. It's like I had a vague recollection, but not enough to say yeah, we had that. I think that tank was driven by a GI Joe character named Cover Girl. Possibly, 
Which is like, it just, that just sounds like there's so much like modern day G.I. Joe parody out there on the internet and in right. TV. That just sounds like a, like a parody character, it's and a like not a real Joe, you know? Yeah. yeah, exactly, you know? <laughs> um, I remember having the Cobra Asp. Okay. Um, which is, which is 1984. Uh, the Claw, totally. I'm pretty sure we had the Rattler, the Watermock. Now the, the, the rattler. That's the. It was like the um the the warthog, the A ten. Yeah, the A ten warthog. Basically, we, then, I'm pretty sure. I mean, maybe maybe Jack had that and we didn't. I just remember playing with it. Yeah, and that's and that's I think an important point. You know, regardless of whether or not we had it or not, as long as somebody in the neighborhood had it, and we played with it. That that's almost le- that's legitimate in our memory scheme of things. I think. You yeah. Know? Yeah, um, but I remember having like some of these little battlefield accessories too, like the missile defense unit that that little plastic wall that had a hole you, blown in it. You were, okay? Because here's the thing. So like we've talked about some of the stuff we had. You wrote in your show notes the bridge layer. You remembered the the it was yeah. like a tank that could make a bridge. That was one of the ones that was like I sort of remember it, but it was on the cusp, so I didn't put it down because I wasn't sure if it was a real memory or not. But um, there's a handful of things that I have super strong super strong memories of yeah um, one was a toy called the cobra flight pod which was a little almost like not a hovercraft but a little um bubble that uh with a jetpack on it that your action oh, figure could sit yeah, in I'm and fly around right in. now um oh, that the missile familiar, it? The, the missile defense unit the missile defense unit is probably the most throwaway gi joe toy out there because it's just basically about. just it's exactly what you said. It's a little plastic missile launcher and a little plastic broken down brick wall. Yep. But like when I was a kid, I was obsessed with it. Yeah. And like, I don't know, it must have been ringing some of the bells inside my head that like model train sets rang because I was really big into model trains mm, when I was mm-hmm. a kid, maybe. Mm-hmm. I don't know. But that's just like, um, that and and it's actually I'm really kind of happy that that's the case because that's probably a, a vintage Joe toy that I could pick up pretty affordably. I'm glad it's not. I'm glad my holy grail isn't like the USS Flag aircraft oh, geez, carrier that was like eight thousand right. dollars or something like yeah, that, that. You know, a monster. I mean, the missile defense unit's probably pretty pretty um pretty easy to get. Yeah, I, it's um, funny. I, f- I feel I feel like these toys gave just the right amount of you know. Uh, you know, here's a thing with a backstory and a plot, mm-hmm. but we're not locking you into playing our, you know, our exact story. There was there was enough room mm-hmm. for creativity and imagination. Um, I, I feel like with some toys that I see nowadays, there there's not that. It's like we're being so faithful to the source material with this toy that it can only do this mm-hmm, mm-hmm. you know um I, I i think what we had you know <clears throat> we could get a lot more creative with it i mean maybe that's just the fact that battle scenarios can be so very different i don't know <laughs> right um I, I i'm gonna i'm gonna take something from our show notes that i have later lower down on the screen but i'm gonna Whatever. just plug or it in here want. right now um, I, I want to really quickly talk about um, my biggest GI Joe crush as like a little kid. Um, there were there were a number of figures that I really did enjoy. I mean, I really liked Snake Eyes, but like for a kid to say they like they liked Snake Eyes is for like it's like a kid to say they liked Boba Fett because yeah. he's sort of like the cool one. So that's yeah. not really saying anything. Um, but I I was obsessed with 
um, one a GI Joe action figure named Dusty. Yeah, and he was a little um, little desert trooper kind of guy wearing like a desert camo thing with like a cloth thing coming off the back of his helmet or whatever, mm-hmm. you know. And I mean, I was at a toy show just like two or three years ago and somebody had one for sale and there's been a handful of times when I've seen when I go to old toy shows I'll see toys that I remember and I'll be like oh that's cool I remember that and every once in a blue moon I'll see a toy at a toy show where my reaction is that is mine and it's not I'm not thinking that's the actual one I had as a child but it's like that's a toy that I had that I knew in such great detail and that I took with me everywhere that that was my toy and I right. bought it. It's the only Joe um, item that I own currently. Um, he has an interesting file card on the back. Of course, uh, as, as our listeners probably know, on the back of the blister packs were little um, kind of biographical details. I loved him so much. I, I loved all the funky. details they have. Apparently, Dusty's real name was Ronald. And he was a, a HVAC air conditioning repairman from Las Vegas, Nevada. Well, they do need air conditioning out there. And uh, it said that uh, he, um, he loves the desert. It's pure, clean, and unforgiving. And unlike Vegas, which is always willing to give you a second chance, Desi was working as a refrigerator repairman and studying desert ecology at night. When his pre-enlistment application for the G.I. Joe team was approved, he took basic at Fort Bliss, Texas, and loved every minute of it. <laughs> and... Like, it's so weird because it's like I've watched a bit of J.I. Joe cartoons online this week preparing for tonight's episode. Yeah, I watched one at lunch today while at work. Yeah, and like I've watched I watched a couple episodes with Dusty and I'm like, you know, did I fall in love with him on the cartoon show? Is that what was going on? And like not only did I barely if at all have any memories of the Dusty episodes, but like it, it was it was actually kind of weird because it's like he was voiced by some guy that sounded like Huel Hauser. Like he had this kind of really funky voice going on. And I don't know. There was just a lot of dopey stuff going on. There was one episode where like he actually sold out the GI Joes for cash so he could like pay his like sick mother's hospital bills or something, you know, it was really, yeah, it was really kind of like, like, you know, days of our lives kind of thing going on. Those cartoon plots were always the best. And yeah, so it was weird. It was like, the action figure I was in love with, but the actual cartoon version, it was just, I don't know. It didn't do anything for me, but, um, I just had to get that off my chest. Cause that's that's the, it had to be those uh, years of HVAC experience that drew you in. Right. Uh, now did we lose Zartan in the Ivy bushes? This Uh, is a a, a argument in the family legends that goes on to this day. Yeah, Um, it, it, it does. No, Zartan totally. I, I'm pretty sure he got lost in the Ivy. I don't think it was the juniper bushes because those are long gone. Okay. Um, I'm pretty sure it's the Ivy, and I think long after both of us had moved out, mom and dad just said, "That's it. We're done with the Ivy because it becomes like the neighborhood's garbage can." Uh-huh. And they <clears throat> just stripped that stuff all the way down mm-hmm. uh, to the ground, and Hot Wheels came out of there. I'm pretty sure Zartan came out of there. Okay, so they did. I'm, they did I'm eventually find him. Sure, yeah. They recovered the remains. Yeah. I, I was telling this story on a GI Joe forum a couple of years ago, and one guy chimed in, and he was like, he was so um, gung ho for me to um, dig up the ivy bushes and record it on YouTube, and say he he, he would he was saying how much he would have been willing to watch hours of people digging up ivy bushes just to recover one old discolored GI Joe figure, which oh. I thought was really uh, endearing. That is both endearing, and, and I think he needs a different hobby, but I understand <laughs> the feeling behind it. 
Now, do you remember, do you have a lot of G.I. Joe memories of us, like, going on the roof of our parents' house? Not on the roof of the house, but on the roof of the patio. Roof of the patio. So yeah. what are what are some of your rooftop memories for G.I. Um, Joe? It pretty much was summed up in that audio clip earlier. Okay. Um, I mean, it was, it was going up there to throw the gliders. Throw the gliders off. Okay. Um, okay. Or, you know, if we had, like, made a parachute or something for one of them to chuck it from up there. Because mm-hmm, mm-hmm. that, that had I, the most height and I was too afraid to go on the roof. I loved being on the roof as a kid. Or even on just it was the roof of the patio. Roof the patio, roof of the house to watch fireworks mm-hmm. or any of that kind of stuff. Oh, yeah. You know? I mean, I, I, uh, I grew to like it. You know, I eventually yeah. learned that my feet are closer to the ground than my eyes are. <laughs> um, that took a while. Um, right. but yeah, I mean, I, I, we'd, we'd, we'd push the tank around all the time because either we didn't have batteries or it was just too darn slow. Yeah. And you know, you could hear the little motor whining away, <laughs> stripping all the gears. Yeah, pretty much. <laughs> yeah, totally. <laughs> pretty much. Um, I, I, I have a memory. Okay. This, this kind of just popped back into my head, but I have a memory okay. of one summer mom took us to Vasona in Los Gatos okay. And mm-hmm. we brought some of our Joes and like, it must've been like the water mock and mm-hmm. another, I swear we had two boats. I swear it was two boats. Mm-hmm. Maybe it was a boat in the APC, but I think it was mm-hmm. two boats. And there was a little, a little bit of Creek off the, mm-hmm. off one of the pathways. Mm-hmm. And we kind of just set up shop and mom let's play in the water with, uh our joes and our boats oh god and we we had a grand old time oh that sounds uh, that's just i i'm sure you're right and i just you know i'm gonna have to you know check out a book on self-hypnosis to bring these memories back because that just <laughs> i give anything to to be doing that again i think yeah there was i mean that was definitely not something that you know oh we took a camera we took a video camera with us at that time that was just you know yeah we went off and had an adventure but i have a very very clear memory of that so I think we firmly established my man crush on Dusty. Now yeah. I think you were you were kind of a Wild Bill fan, a bit. Yeah. yeah. I I I I don't know why necessarily him. I mean, he's got a cool copter, and and you know I dug his character on the show. I mean, there were there were certainly other ones. I mean, how do you how do you not like Scarlet? I mean, Redhead. Come on. Um. Oh, did you have actual crushes on Joe people? Not really. Oh. Not not that I recollect. Okay. I mean, literally, I watched like the one episode that you sent me a link for mm-hmm. um, today, and um, you know, it, it was just it was funny, just the stuff. Like, I forgot that like Roadblock talked in rhymes. Oh yeah, Roadblock. Yeah, I think it was the episode two or episode three of the Revenge of Cobra, which was the second five part miniseries that yeah. premiered in '84. Yeah, was I was watching. Two. Yeah, of all the Joe stuff I watched this week, I mean, some of it was coming back. Um, there's one portion in that particular episode I showed you where um, Flint, Roadblock, and I think Mutt have crashed their jets in a valley, and there yes. are these cannibalistic plant vines that are trying to attack them, and yep. they have to build this like ghetto homemade helicopter to fly out of there. <laughs> yes. And when I saw that, I was just like, the eyes were bugging out of my head because you know, I was accessing a memory I hadn't accessed in 30 years and it was just, my circuits were going off big time. Yeah. Um, I, but yeah, I didn't um, have the same reaction to that. Mm-hmm. Um, 
but I, you know, I watched that episode the whole through the whole way through and it just, you know, it's funny just how many things, you know, struck me. I mean, there's, there's bits of wordplay that I missed as a kid. Mm. Um, uh, you know, it, it's kind of funny because, you know, obviously I, I grew up into somebody who, who, um, you know, enjoys, indulges in a bit of conspiracy theory every now and then. Mm-hmm. Um, so here in this one episode, we've got weather manipulation, mm-hmm. right? Oh, we, we've got right. Cobra basically pulling their own harp kind of thing. Um, we have the Joes with these supersized Zelda rupee looking mirrors. Um, <laughs> yes, and right. apparently they've got a lot of them. And they're basically energy weapons. They can absorb <laughs> energy, shoot it at something else that can suck up the energy as well, and then direct that. And I'm like, this is so wildly over the top, like delightfully <laughs> over the top. I'm not, I'm not looking for realism here by any means, but this was so just so uh, see- out there, even for G.I. Joe, I think. I'm loving where your mind went with that episode because for me with the Revenge of Cobra, especially when there's a part when Flint and Mutt um, dress up like undercover like Cobra guys. Yes, and, and, they, and they go into that Cobra cafe. They go into a Cobra cafe. They meet um, Shipwreck. Uh, Shipwreck yes. for the first time. and But there's like um, at one point they're reading a newspaper and it's called Cobra News. And like <laughs> I can't. I'd, I'd probably drop 80 bucks right now if I could get like a copy of Cobra News newspaper. I would love to know what what their stories are, what headlines you could find, classified ads, yes. sports section. Classified I mean, can you just imagine? Ads, right? I mean, I just, I mean, I'm getting ahead of myself a little bit, but I, I think I have a really big fascination with, you know, the uh, the structure of the Cobra organization. What is its funding like? Who do they recruit from? Um, uh, boy, I don't know, but... Um... They might have some ties to the current administration. Let's just say that. I don't know. I mean, I it's, don't know either. It's weird. I mean, there were so many episodes. I, I did review a lot of um, like episode summaries online, mm-hmm. and lots of them. I I was just like, nope, 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 no memory, nope, nope, no memory. Yeah. Um, and Not then I got to the moment. yeah, exactly. I got to the the 1987 animated GI Joe the movie, which I think was um. I think it was actually it wasn't like a theatrical release. It was like they made it into like a miniseries okay. or something. Yeah. Um and uh there was one part when um Cobra Commander gets turned into a snake. Like literally de evolved into a snake. Yes. I, I think I'm jumping some... a little ahead of the show notes here, but don't I, worry about uh, it. It, it was just I was uh, in fact, you know what? Let's listen to a clip of that episode right now. You know, I, I really have to tell you, 
that one little segment when I was a kid that left a huge mark on me. I don't want to say a scar, but I know we've had an episode before where we talked about things that probably were a little too scary for us as little kids, you mm-hmm. know. Um, and I was scared of everything as a little kid, so that's counting a lot of things. And I don't know, that was that was pretty intense for a little kid, especially because I think by that point, by 87, I had really come to love Cobra Commander. I mean, not love him in the way that I loved Dusty, but he was just such a ridiculous, funny... Um, I mean, in the Marvel comics, his backstory, he's like a used car salesman, oh, yeah, you know? hilarious. Um, and he's just, he's just kind of like a, was, I've read a lot of stuff online. Um, I don't know how accurate it is, but a lot of stuff about how maybe the writers for the cartoon show eventually started writing for Cobra Commander as if not so much he's a villain, but more like, um, a lot of the comparisons I read online was, uh, like Yosemite Sam, um, in the sense that Yosemite Sam is, he's comic, but he's like, he, he has so many weapons. He's just ridiculous, you know? Uh-huh. Um, and that just, I don't know. I just... I remember because basically, you know, the farther you get into the, the cartoon series, you start seeing like, um, you know, that weird like emperor guy, Serpentor. Yes. I don't know if you remember Serpentor. Oh, yeah, I remember Serpentor. I hated that guy. <laughs> I hated that because I was like, I was a Cobra Commander man, you know, and I'm like Cobra Commander. He's the commander. You know, what are you doing taking over emperor guy? You know what I mean? Um, I loved I loved just watching the cartoon is is. Uh, let's take a moment to appreciate the kind of jazzy Saul esque oh, incidental music that these cartoons oh, had. Yeah, I mean, don't get me wrong. I've never at one point in my life forgotten the theme song, but I had completely forgotten the incidental music until this week. Yeah, and it was it. I was tapping my toe. It's, you know, it, it's great stuff. I mean, it's it's that kind of stuff where like they they take the main theme and they kind of like riff on it. Mm-hmm. a little bit so there's elements of that but it it's like here's these soldiers and they're fighting but here's this jazzy kind of background music too for you to enjoy kids and i'm like where is this coming from i yeah. love it yeah and it was really great during the credits the credits i think too like you heard a lot of that kind of mm-hmm. that version of the theme song or whatever you mm-hmm. know that's got to be on vinyl right i mean everything um, from the 80s is on vinyl right like no. the really like no are you are you it's gotta be not everything from the 80s well no no not everything but it seems like these days like everything that we grew up with that's like you know cool again or whatever you know hipsters like it you know there's like a vinyl version of it or it something issued or something i don't it's know like reissued by some know. hipster or listeners dear listeners if you are listening to this episode please let us know please uh use uh, the internet to um help us out and figure these things out please google things for seb Yes, please, because apparently my computer, as we found out tonight, doesn't work very well. Uh, uh, yeah. <laughs> Folks enjoy it. There's about half an hour of this episode that you just don't get to hear because it's <laughs> silence, because Seb had to reboot. But now, do you remember there being a lot of, um, let's just say, bad aiming of weapons in G.I. Joe? And, oh, uh... well, of course. I mean, that, okay. that, that, that was the whole thing. I mean, th- this was Stormtrooper-level aim, but... <laughs> In that, in the toys that made us, um, that was all intentional. As as it was, they were skirting a lot of uh, standards and practices rules with TV because, well, I mean, let's be honest, it's a cartoon that has a lot of violence in it. So, well, we can't actually show blood. We can't actually show people 
dying. You know, if we, I remember one of the guys on there saying, it's like, well, yeah, I mean, if a plane got shot down, we made sure to show the pilot ejecting. I always loved looking for that parachute as a kid, too. I really picked up on that, you know, and I'm sure our listeners did, too, you know, but. Uh, well, and the funny know. thing is, is in the, uh, in the, the Revenge of Cobra episode that I watched today, you know, he, here they are under, uh, releasing just the most, you know, awesome forces of weather to like wreck towns and you know you mm-hmm. can see these like wrecked buildings in the background i'm like well there were probably people in them when they got wrecked <laughs> yeah, there right probably now. is a body count back there if you really dig into it <laughs> the gi joe body count oh lord um uh, you know but that that that's me looking at it as you know a 40 something that's not me looking at it as like an eight-year-old mm-hmm, you mm-hmm. know an eight-year-old wouldn't necessarily think about that first do you remember an episode called The Viper is Coming? My favorite G.I. Joe episode ever, I think. Are you serious? It is. It's the biggest bit of wordplay, period. The entire episode hinges effectively around a joke. Yeah, it was It was, It was. was like a gag episode. Completely you know? a gag episode, but it is by and far the episode of G.I. Joe that I remember the best i think before this this month when we before we decided we were going to do this episode if somebody had come to me and asked what was the plot of any one gi joe episode i mean i could say okay you know there's lots of shooting going on and lots of parachutes but the viper is coming is probably the only episode that i could have remembered the general outline of the plot which Mm -hmm. of course i think i think barbecue was getting phone calls cryptic messages from a guy calling himself the viper and he kind of enlists all the other Joes to capture this mysterious man because he thinks he's like a Cobra villain. But like at the very end, it turns out, you know, the punchline is it's just like an immigrant day laborer with like a lisp or something like that. And he's actually coming to wipe the windows. Yep. Which he's is like the window I mean, washer. Yeah, he's the window washer. <laughs> and, and it's like and this is another thing I can hope, hope the listeners can chime in on because there's there's such a big toy customization subculture out there um, of people who make their own action figures. That we need the Viper. There's got to be somebody that's made the Window Viper oh action figure. Oh, my God, yes. How cool would it be to get the G.I. Joe Window Viper action figure, you know? That would be so rad. I mean, it's got to <laughs> be. I mean, I figure any idea I've had has had, been had years before by smarter people than me. So there's got to be something out there. Oh, you know? that that's going to need to be researched. Definitely. The Viper. No, I, I really got to say really a couple, a couple quick things about Sergeant Slaughter. Oh, uh, yes. Now, um... I mean, he, he kind of joined G.I. Joe, you know, later in its run, you know, in the in the 80s. Um, I, I have really strong memories of, like, the live-action Sergeant Slaughter bumpers. Yes. That would be, like, before and after commercial breaks. Mm-hmm. Which, from what little searching I've done on YouTube, there's painfully few examples of online. Oh, I really? thought there'd be, I thought I'd be able to find um, but what what little I did find was gold. Um, and I'll, I'll tell you, you know, Sergeant Slaughter, of course, also a, a professional wrestler in the 80s. Mm-hmm. It was the closest I ever came to. As a kid, I was not into professional wrestling. And it's the biggest regret of my childhood looking back because it's so outlandish. And listening for me for me to listen to other kind of nostalgia podcasts when I hear other people <clears throat> our age talk about their pro, pro wrestling memories mm-hmm. I'm just like hitting myself in the head thinking what was I doing you know this what? stuff is just so amazing and so outlandish and 
this Sergeant Slaughter and G.I. Joe was was almost like the closest I came to this, you know? I mean, I do think I watched a little bit of the Hulk Hogan cartoon that there was on in the 80s. Okay. For like half a season or, yeah. or something like that. Well, I, I um, remember getting into oh, it a little man. bit. I remember watching some wrestling. Um, it's not something that stuck with me, um, but John, who co-hosts podcast with me, big wrestling fan. Um, you know, we've got Tornado Tag Radio on the NOTLG network. Um, so there's always a chance. You can always get into it. There's always time for you. I, yeah. Um, so let's see here. Now, I know I've talked a little bit about my, my man crush on Cobra Commander. Um, yep. You know, I, I, uh, a, couple, a couple months ago, I went to a toy show here in Sacramento, and uh, Arthur Burkhart, who is the voice of Destro, um, was in, in appearance. And it was interesting because I think if you if you paid fifty dollars, you could record something like a voicemail on your cell phone. Yeah. And I was I was really I was really on the, you know, I was like, should I do it? Should I not do it? I eventually decided not to do it. I was on I was on a knife set knife set order. I was and I think I kept telling do. you to do it. Yeah, and I probably should have. But um, I guess I guess the late Chris Lada or Lada, I'm not sure how to pronounce that. He he was the voice of Cobra Commander. Mm-hmm. If if he was still alive and he was doing stuff like that, I mean, I'd probably I'd probably plunk down five hundred dollars to have him record something. Could you I mean, could Col- you imagine him dropping bumpers for for our show? Or or, or just anything, you know? I mean, uh, Cobra Commander. I mean, he his voice, his his demeanor, his ridiculousness. I mm-hmm. mean, he was the perfect guy you loved to hate. Yeah. And um, now. How did you feel about, you know, he had different wardrobe choices throughout the years. He had started with a silver helmet, kind of went to a blue face cloth or oh, balaclava mm-hmm. or something like that. I mean, like, did you have, like, a preference, like, which version of Cobra Commander you like um, better? I, personally, I like the helmet better. Um, mm-hmm. I, and, I, and I realize, listeners, I did say baklava, not balaclava. Baklava is a little different. I'm apparently hungry. <laughs> um no i i I like the silver helmet better um you know the 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 i don't know the 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 balaclava just the you know the 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 face cloth whatever you want to call it 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 may have been interesting and different um but it just He's wearing a big. He's wearing a big cloth napkin on his head. Yeah, you know, I'm I'm right um, there with you. That's I, just something I, you can get caught in machinery. That's dangerous. I I I'm I'm pro silver helmet. I think it goes better with Destro having a silver head. There's that unity there. Mm-hmm. But also like the blue face cloth thing. He just looks like the. In my opinion, it just looks like it looks like his head is like the blue ghost from Pac Man. Oh. You know what I mean? And which yes. is kind of weird, you know? Like, I don't think it, what was his name? Blinky? I don't know if it, which, what his name was, you know? Uh, but, I don't know. Was the blue an inky? It might have been inky, you know? But, uh. I should know this. Oh my God. I, I would, don't. uh. I just want to, sub- I don't want to be a member of Cobra, but I want to subscribe to Cobra News. I want to get it in the mail. I want to <laughs> learn what Cobra Commander's up to. You know what I'm saying? Who um, knows? Maybe some of the classifieds are used cars that Cobra Commander is trying to sell. It could be. It could be. Here's now, my 1975 AMC Gremlin. <laughs> Buy it. <laughs> I'm not going to try to do a Cobra Commander voice. I'll, I'll, it'll be terrible. You no, know, it would be a crime for us not to mention a few brief words about the public service announcements at the end of most uh, GI Joe cartoons. Right. Uh, 
those are really easy to find online. I've, I've re- rewatched them, and whereas a lot of the cartoons I'd rewatch, I'd be like, well, I sort of remember that. The public service announcements, everything came rushing back. I was oh, like, boy. okay, you know, don't tip your head back when you got the bloody nose. I knew that. You oh, know, yeah. Don't touch, yeah. Don't touch the doorknob when there's a fire because the doorknob could be That's hot. Right. I remember that part. Yeah. And it was just like, Every bit of the public, like, I don't know if I was just paying more attention because I was like, oh, wait, this is like more important stuff to learn or I don't know what it was, but that stuff just stuck. That just stuck in my mind. You know what I mean? Yeah. Uh, I mean, it's, it is something that sticks with me to this day. Mm -hmm. Knowing it's half the battle. Exactly. And, And even as a kid and more so as an adult, you know, it's like knowing is half the battle. What the other half is, they never told us. Right. Yeah. You know, it. In obviously, it's doing it. You know, making sure you actually practice what you preach or what is being right. preached to you. Exactly. That's the other half of the battle. But it was always just such a joke with me. It's like knowing is half the battle. I'm like, well, why don't you tell us the whole battle plan, GI Joe? Because you're army guys. So yeah. Come on. God, I love GI Joe. You know, there was one when I was a kid. There was one afternoon that like. I got, I'm pretty sure it was a carded Dusty, you know, Dusty and the Blister Pack from Kitty World probably with my allowance money. Mm-hmm. And like, I was just laying on my bed and I just spent like, I don't know, half an hour just like looking at it, not even opening it or playing with it, but just like looking at it, just you know, staring into those baby just, blues. just, yeah, just staring at the thing. And it was I just like, I have no like, idea what color his eyes are. Well, I mean, I don't that's a good question, but, um, <laughs> oh <laughs> I, that was probably one of the happiest half an hours of my childhood you know what i mean um and you know it's weird because it's like i mean there's so much from our childhood that's been brought back like there's the new star wars movies there's been new transformers movies mm-hmm. i've always been happy to go watch those you know even if they're good or not too good i could never bring myself to even not even watch but not even acknowledge the new gi joe movies yeah like when I first heard there were going to be live action GI Joe movies, it was like, I'm I'm sure a lot of people were really jazzed about them, and they might be really good. I mean, I'm not bad mouthing them, but eh, it was like, go ahead, bad mouth them. I mean, no, I just, I mean, I just couldn't. It was like it was too almost too sacrilegious, you know. And there's only been a handful of things in my childhood that like have been to that level. Um, I could never watch the sequel to The Secret of Bim that came out in like the nineties, I was just like, uh, uh-uh, I'm not even touching that. And there was like a film adaptation of the 1980s, uh, children's book, the Indian in the cupboard, mm-hmm. which was like, for me, when I was a kid, that was like up there with the Bible, you know? And it was like Indian in the cupboard, secret and GI Joe. That's like, I was just like, I'm not going to touch any sort of that, you know, modern. It was just like, you know, I can't go down that road. You no, know? I and, and they might be, and they might be great. Those movies might be, perfect they might be really excellent and entertaining but i just couldn't do it you know i just couldn't do it no i i totally get it um i've seen parts of i don't know that i've actually sat through an entire uh live action gi joe movie and they are unimpressive yeah i mean i, mean, I remember asking an ex-girlfriend it's like is destro in it and she was like who's destro and i was like is there a guy with a silver head in these movies and she's like oh yeah there's a guy with a silver head and i was like oh, okay but that was like that was the extent of my you know entry into that that world or well anything, i, I thought i thought i thought the asking who's destro is the reason she's an ex-girlfriend <laughs> right yeah get out um i you know I'll, I'll admit i mean you know even the transformers movies it's like the first one it's like all right cool but it just got to be 
just a little too bonkers after that. Although there's like a standalone Bumblebee movie coming out this summer. Oh, that's right. Yeah, um, there is one. And and it's cool for the reason that he's actually a Beetle, not a Camaro. That's interesting. Yeah, because I I seem to recall there being something in the news back in the day when the first movie came out that said that Volkswagen didn't want to allow Bumblebee to transform into a Volkswagen because they didn't want to endorse violence or something. Um, but I don't, I don't know if that's true. It might be fake I news. Don't, you know? I don't know if that's true. Hi, memers. Um, you were a Bumblebee man. Oh, right? very much so. Yeah. Very, yeah. very much so. But um, I, I just... Or boy. That's fine. Either way. Okay. Um, but... Um, the the only reason that I'm even giving this this Bumblebee movie a minute of my attention is um, it was filmed locally. Oh yeah, it's San Bay Area. Francisco, yeah. Bay Area, Santa Cruz, like down on the wharf and stuff. And when it is down on the wharf, um, some of the guys that I know um, uh, through the, the the car club that I'm in now um, went down and had their cars in the background as extras. Oh, that's fun. So I'm like, okay, I might have to see it just to look for my friends. Oh, of course. Yeah. Well, I mean, it with it being in San Francisco, I wonder if there'll be like a Herbie the Love Bug like cameo or something. <laughs> that would be funny. I don't know. You never know. Um, I I think I just have a couple last things to to mention. Yeah, yeah. Um, the first is I want to give a shout out to my my friend Joe Marty. He's an old college buddy. Um, he's a big fan of our podcast, um, and he's also a GI Joe fanatic. So, oh, thanks, Joe. Uh, Joe, I, I, uh, Joe, I, I tip my cap to you. Um, also, I, w- I went to a toy show with mom in San Jose about two months ago, and one of the dealers had um, set up one of the vintage USS Flag aircraft carrier toy wow. sets. And I mean, I'd seen pictures online or whatever, but I'd never yeah. seen one set up in the flesh before. Um, this thing was so big. And I'm I'm a fully grown adult. I mean, as a little kid, I couldn't imagine what this must have been like. I mean, yeah. my God. Yeah. You know? That's, that's um, it's got to be some overkill in, uh, in some pretty amazing ways. Totally. <clears throat> have we forgotten anything? Was there anything that you wanted to, to mention also about you know, Joe? I'll probably wake up in the morning and be like, oh, why didn't I talk about <laughs> such and such? And it'll be too late, and that's okay. Um, no, I, I don't think so. Um like I just scrolled back through everything, but you know what? We we should probably try and find a time to you and me go to one of these toy shows coming up. Uh, oh, go together? Yeah, and go together. Oh, and, yeah. And you know, maybe if it's well, it's going to be noisy because I've been to them with you before. But you know, just maybe afterwards, sit down and kind of recap some of the excitement that, oh, that we come across. Do some recording in the field. Yeah. Yeah. I'd be down with that. So yeah, keep keep tabs on on when one is happening. Well, ladies and gentlemen, I really want to publicly here and now say that I love my brother Taylor so much. I think he's a great brother. <laughs> I love doing this podcast with you so much, man, and all the work you'd put into it. I mean, yeah. on the technical side and just everything, it's just this is just such a blast. You know, it's it's, it's easy for me. It's it's fun. I like doing this kind of stuff. But thank you, this thank is you awesome. very much. I love you too, man. Yeah. Uh, I feel like we get down to the end of every episode and it's just, we're hugging it out. It's a love fest at this point. <laughs> um, oh man. August episode. We're, we're coming up on a year here. Not too long. Yeah. Right. But before that, we got to get through September and September's always been a big month for me. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. Next month, 
We're talking birthday memories because hot damn, I'm turning 42 in September. Right. And, you know, and those are Earth years. Those those are Earth years. And right. I'm also calling it my Douglas Adams birthday. Oh, of course. That makes 42. sense. Yeah, totally. I think that'll be a good episode. I think we have a, we'll have a lot to talk about, you know, different yeah. gifts we received, maybe um, places we've went to, you mm-hmm. know. OK. Yeah. I, I started getting a little worried. I'm like, I don't really remember. And then some started kind of coming back to me. I'm like, okay, okay, we'll be good. We'll be oh, yeah. Good. Oh, yeah. Well, this is great. I can't wait to hear what we're going to talk about. Yeah, that'll be fun. All right. Well, you can like us on Facebook and follow us on Twitter at Memory Serves Pod. Uh, you can follow me on Twitter at Apex Buddha. And you can follow Seb on Twitter at Clan McMuffin. That's right. Still the greatest. username ever subscribe to us on itunes and stitcher and now you can also find us on spotify search up if memory serves you can also find all the other episodes from night of the living geeks on there please rate and review us as well that helps us get noticed and frankly we've only got about like 30 something people on our facebook so getting noticed is something we want to do um, you can also subscribe to us on SoundCloud, soundcloud.com slash the N-O-T-L-G, and you will just get all the episodes we put out, Tornado Tag Radio, Podcast Ticket, Girls Interrupting, everything in between, including If Memory Serves. Now, get this. Here's some special late-breaking news. N-O-T-L-G.spreadshirt.com, and get yourself one of our new If Memory Serves shirts. Just tonight, while we were recording, uh, John got the artwork that I did up on the site. He tweeted at me while uh, while you were rebooting your computer. I <laughs> so hope they come in husky th- sizes. Uh, yes, they do. You obviously got to pay a couple bucks more because I guess they're using more cloth for it. But there's a men's shirt, there's a women's shirt. You could even get the logo on a coffee mug if you want. That's awesome. I know. Yeah, I'm going to have to get one myself. Um, it's it's very 80s. Just accept it. People will still think you're cool and hip. Don't worry about it. Patreon.com slash N-O-T-L-G. Uh, please, now more than ever, if you're in a position to throw a couple bones our way, uh, don't throw actual bones because that might hurt. Throw money at Patreon.com because that helps us get on and stay on Spotify. So you can just stream us in your car or in your office or your backyard why not um anyway morgan willis does our intro and outro music it's his track party all night check him out on facebook search up morgan willis his name's all in caps you can't miss it he's also on twitter uh morgan willis 82 and check him out on soundcloud as well just search up morgan willis that does it for us and taylor yojo Yojo, indeed, and I just wanted to say I think that you and I turned out great. I don't think we turned out as violent people, so I think no. the, I think definitely, uh, definitely playing with Joe toys was okay. I think so. I mean, I if anything, for a a good portion of my life, I feel like I turned out more of a hippie and a peacenik. Mm-hmm. Uh, although I certainly, you know, can appreciate and respect um, the need for. Um, some of this stuff and uh you know uh, uh big thanks and and respect to all of those of you out there who might be listening to us and are currently or have 
previously served in our armed forces. Thank you for everything you do. Um, and with that, we will talk to you next month. See ya. Bye-bye, folks. Telephone. Uh-oh. Telephone. Oh, uh, uh, well, probably a telemarketer. Probably. Uh, uh hmm. So they can, uh, they can deal with it.